Check the other podium, maybe. Of 
homosexuality. He's not as enlightened as we are now. Paul didn't know any better. I just want to say that the Bible we have, it is the Bible God intended us to have. Let it offend you. Let it challenge you. Let it make you angry. Chew on it. See, the Bible is not a charcuterie board where you, the all-knowing religious consumer, get to pick and choose a few nice platitudes. Oh, that would look good hanging on the wall. That would look good crocheted to a pillow. Our responsibility is greater than that. If you want Jesus, if you want Jesus, got to deal with Paul. And in today's text, Paul is continuing to deal with this issue of sexual immorality. He says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So again, you have this phrase in quotes. I have the right to do anything, you say. And then Paul says, yeah, but not everything is beneficial. But I have the right. Yes, but I will not be mastered by anything. Again, you have this juxtaposition of worldly wisdom, Contrasted by the wisdom of God. So Paul is either quoting something he heard the Corinthian believers say, or he's uh, quoting a phrase that was known in Corinth. This is something they say in Corinth, or it's something they say in the church, or at least members of the church. So it was a well-known saying in some regards, that's why Paul is able to quote it. But Paul, in, 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 in asking these questions, Yes, not they're saying not everything is beneficial. Not everything uh, is going to be helpful. I will not be mastered by anything. It's inviting us to a place of consideration and looking at the consequences or the ramifications of the choices that we make. Um, you can say, I can do whatever I want in your pride. And there will be costs to those things. So in more colloquial language today, we say phrases uh, that illustrate this, my body, my choice, my way or the highway, you do you, all do me. You know, there's just different ways that we get out. Uh, and and they, they express a certain truth. But they don't often bring us to, and, and it, those are things that we say and what we really mean is, leave me alone. And a lot of times we shut off the conversation because we don't want to consider the fruit that is being produced by the choices that we make. And then, at what point does something that you have chosen for yourself, at what point does that stop being a good thing? and stop being beneficial. 
Have you ever noticed how things that start out really good and then the best intentions sometimes, they kind of fall apart. They kind of don't satisfy the same way. So you need a new level of intensity. They, they degrade. They're, the legacy, here's a Calvin quote, if you want a Calvin quote, this is what I think, so take it or leave it. But there is a legacy produced by that kind of pride in the heart that says, I have the right to do anything. Thank you, you are sufficient in and of yourself. 
That's food is for the stomach. Is as the body is not for sexual immorality. The body is for the Lord. The body is for His holy purposes. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. To finish verse 13. Your body has been created for a special relationship. A special relationship that is as close to the Lord as the stomach's relationship is to food. That's what Paul is saying. It's a radical way of thinking. And sexual sin, sexual immorality is wrong because there is an integral relationship between the body and the Lord. He created our bodies for a purpose. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. And he goes on to say, do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will be one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Okay, there's a lot going on here. I won't be able to unpack it all. A couple of things, though. Paul's claim is that the greatest coupling in the universe, the greatest joining together, the greatest opportunity for oneness in human life, it's not sexual intercourse. It's being united with the Lord and one with Him in spirit. That is the greatest coupling available life, whether you're married or single, and everything else finds its place under that wanting of you being united with Jesus Christ in his very spirit, and your very spirit in him. So where does that put Christian marriage then? Christian marriage, again, this is Calvin's thinking, but I think, I think I'm in line with Paul's theology here. Christian marriage is a covenant that is meant to reflect, amplify, and protect the union of you and Jesus Christ. That means your marriage should make you a better Christian. The enjoyment of your marriage it should make you safe. Safe for other people. Safe for children. Safe for other people who you're not married for, to. Safe for yourself. Our, what we go into in the covenant of marriage, under God, it makes everything better. 
sexual intercourse of a husband-wife relationship. It is a total commitment in marriage. And it is referred to as becoming one in flesh. So much of this theology, even Paul's thinking in the church, it goes back to the early chapters of Genesis. In the creation, God fashioned a woman from man in order to complete the man and the woman when they are joined back together. We are created to fit together. It's highly pleasurable. Has the potential, oftentimes, of creating new life, that becoming one flesh. In the covenant of marriage, a man and woman are joined together. So the, the issue that Paul's dealing with, uh, people who are going and seeing prostitutes or whatever, Paul's saying that infidelity to a spouse is to unglue, as it were, unglue what God has already joined together. Humanity is created in the image of God. Whether you realize it or not, whether you accept it or not, we are made in God's image. Therefore, sex is not a benign act. It has ramifications. Has consequences. See, human sexuality, no matter what other voices you've been listening to, it's not just about plumbing. It's not just like animals in heat. Our sexuality is tied to our personhood, our emotional, our psychological, our spiritual well-being. It's all it's tied to this. And as an image bearer of God, there is no such thing as meaningless sex or sex without consequences. Your body, whether you are married or single or single again, whatever, it is meant for the purposes of God. And that's why the stewardship of your body matters if you're single, it matters if you're married, you will be held accountable to how you use your body. Paul goes on to say, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You know, living in the world we are around situations of sin all the time. Can't be avoided. The way people talk, the way we witness things, what's going on around us. And we just, we can't avoid every situation of sin. But as a disciple of Jesus, we choose not to participate in it. In fact, your joyful non-participation shows people in this world an example of something better. We just don't act the same way. We don't do this. We don't speak the same way. It's all under a different kind of lordship. 
comes to issues of sexual immorality, you don't just pretend it's not there and try, not, try your best not to take a peek. The command is, you tuck tail and you run. That's the way we treat this kind of sin. When Paul wrote these words, I'm sure he had in mind the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Do you know that story? And she takes hold of him. What does he do? He is fleeing so fast. He doesn't even care. He leaves his cloak behind. He is out of that situation. And Paul is saying theologically with certain things. You don't dabble in it. You don't tiptoe around it. You don't mess with this stuff. You don't. You flee from it. It's not something you flirt with. It's not something you compartmentalize and just try to look the other way. Try to ignore it. Well, this is, that is what it is. I remember a young student in Texas, um, the University of Texas campus, which is all kinds of sinful, crazy stuff there. But they had a Rich Mullins concert. You, any of you guys know who Rich Mullins is? Christian musician. He had some songs I really liked. We got, I got to see him live. And it's funny the things that stick in your mind. Uh, this spoke to me as a young man. He said, uh, in the course of this concert, he said, you know what? I don't actually want to sin. I just want to be tempted really good. And that stuck with me. Because I don't I want to do things right. I want to. I kind of want to take a peek. I want to know, am I missing something here? Is there something good I'm missing out on? You don't really want to cross the line. You just want to come up right next to it.
we need to be saying the right things about it. As clearly as I can say this, don't believe the world's lies that you're missing out on something if you're trying to do it God's way. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's a con. It's the way our vices work. We like vices. They promise us the world. Reality always falls short. Virtue, on the other hand, sounds like drudgery to us. Sounds like hard work. But it always delivers. The fruit of the Spirit, we don't have to have limits on any of that. It just keeps getting better and better and more and more. Don't believe the world's lie. And if you're not doing it their way, you're missing out on something. You know, the people in this world who have the best and most enjoyable sex lives, they're very Christians. I'm not trying to be gross or anything. I'm just being frank. How in the world could you say that, Calvin? It's not like I have a crystal ball. Thank you, Lord. Because Christians in our sexuality, we understand that this is all under God and under His Lordship. It's not about my own personal pleasure factory to get what I can, whatever. My body has purpose. And it's meant for holy things. And so our sexuality, people think, oh, those Christians, they're, because we don't talk about it, we don't brag about it, we definitely don't compare I know that married Christian husbands and wives, they are having the best sex lives there are out there because of the way that love works. See, it's not, it's not about mechanics or technique. It's not about performance. It's not about using another person. It's not about power dynamics. It's not about getting what I want. It's not about giving me what I need. It has nothing to do with using or taking. When a man and a woman come together in marriage under God, and our sexuality is put in its proper place under God, our sexuality loses its shame between that couple. God's way for our sexuality, it channels our passions. Not to hinder them, but to run deep. Deep in exclusivity. Deep in intimacy. Deep in giving. Deep in enjoyment.
So let's recognize that Paul, as a single man, he is passionate, he is driven to the point where he freely chooses to forego marriage altogether in order to live this rich and fulfilling life as single and celibate for the mission of God. It's for the mission of God that he sets it all aside. The life that I could have had, I want this life in you, Lord Jesus. We in the church have not done a very good job a lot of times honoring single people. It's been a lot about the family and the marriages and the kids that we have. And it's good that we got it. Sometimes we have left certain people behind. Those who wanted to be married never found that person. Those who desire for being married. There are directions or other directions maybe. Those who have loved and lost. But whether you are single or whether you are married, when it comes to sexual immorality, the command is the same. Flee from it. You don't Versus Paul separates sexual sin from all the other sins a person can commit. Sexual sin is in a category all of its own because your sexuality is tied to your body and it's tied to who you are. It's part of your identity. The depths of your personhood are tied to your body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. So many people, instead of treating their body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, we treat it as a brothel, my own personal pleasure factory, whatever. And then we're surprised that we do not feel close to God and connected to His Spirit. Are you honoring God with your body? As a single, as a married person, are you honoring Him with your body? When you think that no one's looking, when you think that no one will find out, are you honoring God with your body? See, when, when people give themselves over to sexual immorality, Theology 
this idea of God's claim on your life hinges on this idea you are not your own. that one. Thank you. 